Will you pray with me now? Father God, thank you so much for this Christmas season. We thank you for the time of Advent, the time of waiting for your birth. And yet, Father, we are here this morning proclaiming that we believe that you've come already and that you have left your spirit with us. We pray, Father, that this series would continue to impact our real lives, that we would learn what it means to experience you in the everyday. And as we turn towards today's text, Father, we just pray that you would open us up. We want to experience you, or we even want to smell you. In your name we pray, amen. Coming to our senses week four, Matthew 2, 1 through 12 is our text, also 2 Corinthians 2. We talk about the scent of a savior. That's your title this morning, the scent of a savior. I I will confess, we... uh, we prepped a lot of these messages this summer with the teaching team, and we kind of refine and pray and shape, and I thought, okay, I get how we're going to talk about seeing and you know, touching, but how are we going to do the smell one? How in the world will we do it? Because for most of us, myself included, we don't often think of the power of scent being one of the most powerful senses. I grew up in Tacoma, and I don't know if any of you remember in the 70s, the Tacoma aroma, and you remember? I mean, so like, as a young boy, we'd, you know, we'd go visit family, we'd be on road trips, we'd be in the mountains, but I knew we were getting close, honestly, because I could start to smell it. Tacoma smelled a certain way. There was this aroma, and it's oftentimes that aroma has this, this way in which it's connected to specific memories. Aroma can be uh, sensual, it can be romantic. It can arouse feelings of discouragement or despair because aroma and memory are intimately connected. Why is that? I'm no scientist, but when you describe the process of olfaction, how we actually apprehend scent, it helps us understand why, why scent and memory are so connected because smell is a very direct scent. In order for us to smell something, molecules from that thing have to make it to your nose. You can't just think about something and, and smell it directly. You can in your memory. But immediately, the molecules from that thing have to, have to be volatile. They have to arouse and arise and, and make it to your body. And so everything we smell is actually giving off chemicals. These, these light, volatile chemicals float through the air, and at the top of our nasal passage, behind our nose, there's a patch of special neurons the size of a postage stamp. And these neurons are unique, and they're out in the open, and they have these fiber called cilia that literally sit behind our nose and, and touch the molecules from the scent. And from there, it's transmitted to our amygdala. So when we smell something, we are literally experiencing it. Little molecules, your mind goes there. It's like, yeah, gross, but there's a lot today that's going to hit us in sensory ways. Coming to our senses, what does our faith smell like? In the scriptures, there was often this description of of scent. That's what we get in, in Matthew 2. The, 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 the magi, they came from the east. They literally would have been traveling for years. And these magi weren't Christians. They were, they were the spiritual but non-religious ones. And when they went to see the new king, they broke open their offerings, and, and their gratitude smelled like thankfulness. They're, they're, they literally smelled worshipful. It's amazing, and we're going to look at, at 2 Corinthians 2, talking about how we're called into being the aroma of Christ. 
aroma, when you start to look at it, it shows up in the scriptures. Think of Isaac in Genesis 27. Remember, Isaac later in life has gone blind, and Jacob is the younger of the two sons, and Jacob goes to his father trying to steal the birthright, and so he, 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 you know, he puts lamb wool on his arms, and he put his brother's robe over him. And it says in Genesis 27 that when Isaac smelled Esau's clothes, he said, ah, he, 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 there is my son. The smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. He smells Esau, though Esau is not present, and he gives his blessing to Jacob. Worship smells like something in the Old Testament. There's all these texts in the book of Leviticus of what aromatic offerings to God could smell like. That worship literally was an offering poured out. And, and when, when, when worship was poured out like that, then God would smell and receive the worship. And so if we're going to kind of go there this morning, I want to ask you this question. What does your life smell like? What does your life smell like? If, if our life has an aroma to it, what does our life smell like? And before people start to check out, I'm like, oh man, you know, I don't like sermons that don't feel that connected to the everyday. Please hear my heart. The hope in these messages, they, they would connect to your everyday, that, that you would actually grow in your ability to sense Christ in the everyday, and what you see, and what you touch on Christmas Eve we'll talk about, and what you taste, what you hear, and today, what you smell. And so, our big idea is that we're called to live lives of pursuing Jesus that have a powerful impact and a pleasing aroma to the world around us as much as we're already called a pleasing aroma to Christ himself. We are called the very aroma of Christ. And God wants us to remember during this season that our life, as we step into our families, as we step into Christmas Eve celebrations, as we step into the loneliness of the season for some, and all the places that we go, that our life smells different. I don't know if you noticed this morning we came in, we have some diffusers, diffusing some scent. We wanted you to smell something when you came in. It's a big space to fill up, and I'm pretty sure the only one that smells anything is me. I've got these aromatic oils. You can hug me. It smells pretty good, uh, but we want, to, we want to be like that as a church. We want to be that church that, hey, we, we, we experience Christ in such a way that our life starts to put off this pleasing aroma. That's what we're talking about today. So let's look at the beginning. The first point of our outline is the power of smell. If we're honest, most of us don't list smell or scent as the top of our priority in the scental chain. We just don't think of it that often. If if you encounter someone, you know, with your friend, you're like, oh, you know, I just, I've met this new person. You wouldn't often say, well, what do they smell like? You know, people be like, that's weird. That's just odd all right that'd be like one of those comments where your friend just kind of looks at you and then like looks away you know we don't think about that because smell is an underrated underrated sense for us and in the same way an underrated way of connecting with god pastor ruth i mentioned last week shared with me this great book on the senses many of you have been saying this is a unique idea i haven't always thought about my faith in this way and this book that's a great a great resource is called awaken your senses And listen to what the authors say about scent. They say, scents are revelations of God. We may not often think of them that way, but it's certain sublime moments in our lives when deep spiritual moments merge with our physical senses, smells become the containers of divine revelation. Isn't that beautiful? And these revelations are believable and incredibly moving because precisely because they're happening in the midst of everyday experience. That's what we've been talking about all month long. God in the everyday 
God happening in the midst of the everyday experience without either denying its ordinariness or its sacredness. Sadly, using our sense of smell or any of our other physical sense is something about which few teachers or preachers speak today. It is as if we are topic up our spirits only, not our bodies, to follow Jesus. But without bodies that touch and hear and smell and see and taste, It's impossible to pick up our crosses as Jesus calls us to do. And so I just wanted you to think about your life because this is always about your life. What smells trigger memories for you? Smell is intimately connected to to memory and smells of familiarity. Can you think of a certain memory that you can actually remember what that place smelled like? The summer, my family and I got to spend a week at a family camp at Mount Hermon in Northern California, up among the sequoia trees, the redwood trees. And Pastor Richard was there as one of the speakers. Now, Richard, he's my boss as the, as the senior pastor over all six churches. He's also my pastor. And he's been my pastor long before I was a pastor. And so we were there, and he was the speaker, and that was really neat. One night after, after his speaking thing, we, Heather and I were sitting there visiting with him and Don, and he grabs me, and he's like, hey, do you want to go see the house? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, the house. Remember, this place in Mount Hermon in Northern California, it's so meaningful for me. And he starts reminding me, he grew up in the Fresno Valley, but every summer they would travel to Northern California, and his, his aunt was one of the bakers at the Mount Hermon camp. He says, do you want to go see your house? I'm like, sure. And he's already like dragging me down the road and we're running through the dark and it's right you know, down a couple streets. We have no headlamp or anything, but you could smell the space. Like we were in the redwoods, you could smell it. And we get to this little, little house and literally between two huge redwoods, you had to step between the redwoods to the house and his family no longer lives there. And he says, when I think about heaven, I think about this place. And then he says this, he says, you can almost smell it. My aunt would bake cinnamon rolls and we'd be traveling for hours and I was an orphan, but when I came here, it was a place that reminded me of heaven. And I would sneak up to the camp and it was at the Mount Hermon camp that my own life changed for Jesus. So when I come here, I can remember the smells because smell and memory intimately connected. I mean, some for good and some for for bad. Like for me, when I think of smells, as a young guy, I, I took piano lesson, which is a wonderful thing to do for your children. I was not a huge fan of it in the season. And I had this piano teacher named Mrs. Jeffers. Rest her soul, Miss Jeffers, a sweet old woman. Uh, she would sit next to me on what felt like a very small piano bench for the entirety of the one-hour lesson. And then she would often turn with with breath like coffee and and something else, very pungent, and then my face was here and her face was here like, you need to hit the notes differently. And she would breathe and there was, you know, like all over me and I'm kind of a sensitive guy with some smells and there was a dog that smelled. And like literally when I think about piano lessons, I can smell it wasn't pleasant. But others, other sense, oh man, so much more pleasant. Like for me, uh, through generosity of, of friends of ours, we get to go every summer for like a week over to Spokane, to this lake house. Sits up on the hill, and I can tell you when we get there, my car will be parked for five days, and, and when you get there, you get out of the car and, and you can smell it. You can smell the pine trees, you can smell the dry heat of summer in Spokane. I, I'm, I'm, the smell, it puts me there. 
And then all of a sudden I can start to hear, you know, the sounds of my children. Somebody's running to the lake and the sound of groceries, of the meals we'll prepare as a family. And then I can hear these sounds because for that week, the only thing I need to hear is one word, Papa. I'll have time to be present to my kids. I often feel not present and scattered and I often wonder, am I doing enough to raise these kids in a godly fashion? But those days are precious and I can, I can smell it. Your smell is powerful, and it, and it leads us places. It leads us to places. In, in, in the Old Testament, scent was something external in function. It was external in function, often for worship or for blessing. Let me explain. In the Old Testament, when, we, when sacrifices were made to worship God, often the sacrifices uh, were laid out, the, the animal was, was killed, the blood was poured out, and the whole thing would be burned. And it happened in Genesis 8, in the first worship like this, it said that the aroma to God was a pleasing aroma. And I understand in our context that just feels odd, but we have to know that was 3,500 years ago. And and when God saw that sacrifice, when he smelled that smoke, he said that was what worship looked like then, it was external. And to be blessed in the Old Testament, to be called blessed, you would be anointed with specific oil. In the Torah, they gave, you know, the specific anointing oil that was made up with 47 different herbs and just the right concoction. So when a holy person, you know, when a, when a priest would bless you in the Old Testament, you would smell differently. If you were blessed in the Old Testament, everybody would know it because you'd be anointed. I mean, that's our work. There was a specific oil and they would, they would pour it over your head and down your shoulders and everyone would know it would be on your robes and you would wear those robes. You wouldn't wash off them because you would be anointed. It's, it's an external function in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it starts to look and smell differently. We are, we are worshipful and we are called blessed, not from our external appearance, but from the internal presence of Christ. The, 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 the aroma of grace doesn't arrive at us if we do certain things like in the Old Testament. Our life is pleasing to God. And so it's said that as, as believers in Christ, we have an aroma of Jesus that emanates from the inside. It's no longer about the outside. It's no longer if we show up in a certain way and lay out our life in a certain way and, and perform a certain way. Many of us, we're running around looking for somebody else to anoint our life. We're looking for a different job or a different relationship or a different status. We're looking for someone to tell us we're going to be okay. But we're New Testament Christians. And we're, we're blessed from the inside out. And God said, I've called you my own and that aroma comes from the inside. Now live into it. And stop pursuing an external blessing as someone else, some, some, some parent figure some adult figure, another relate. I don't know what we're pursuing this morning. Christ is saying, pursue me. I've called you blessed from the inside out. I want the whole world to know, Paul says in Philippians 4.18, we've actually become the pleasing aroma to God himself. We've become that thing. We've become it. It's not if we perform If we give, if we serve, if we attend, if we look this certain way, we have already become it. And so let's get busy living into the identity that God has already scented us with. I was laying out this fall with my my four-year-old, and in one very odd exchange, 
because uh, we sometimes have an odd house. We're just laying there on the bed, and he sticks his nose into my armpit, and he sm- says, you smell like Papa. I'm like, thanks? And you smell good. What else can I tell you? Like, what else can I tell you? You have a Father God who thinks you're okay, who thinks you smell good, who thinks not, not just if you perform and do something for him, he has already anointed you. And he so longs for you to be that pleasing aroma to the world around you. Friends, we live in hopeless days for many people. And I'm reminded on a pretty much daily basis that there is a ton of hurt out there. Christ is calling us to be the aroma of hope and peace and joy that he is already emanating in us from the inside out. This is the power of scent. This is what God wants to remind us of this morning. But not all smells lead to good things. And so I'm going to switch to our second point here, the smells of death. Smells like death. Second point in your outline. Some smells are actually smelling like death. And I don't know if you made it downtown, any Sounders fans in the room make it down to the Victory Parade this, this week, okay? Not a lot of soccer people in here, but 40,000 Seattleites made it in Seattle downtown this week to the Victory Parade. These things happen in Seattle not all that often, right? We think of the Seahawks one, and I think there was one other in the last 100 years, uh, maybe the storm or something. But a Victory Parade is actually, uh, most scholars said, likened to a triumph in ancient Rome. This is where victories parades started they were there were triumphs they were called and they began by a man named Romulus who settled the 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 capital of Rome and and a victory parade in Rome a triumph was the crowning achievement of a general scholars say in about a thousand years of the Roman Empire the most powerful empire of all humanity there was about 500 triumphs given and a triumph the entire city of Rome would shut down Like, you would know a a triumph was happening. There would be no mistaking. There was a specific order in the triumph. The first, it was the musicians. And and then next, it was, you know, carts full of all the goods wherever they had just pillaged. And and then the the, the army of the people that that had been captured. And they were being marched into Rome most of the time to be put towards death. And then the, the victorious soldiers, and then lastly, the, the reigning general. And he would be pulled in a cart by four oxen, and his cart would be full of flowers. And he and the other soldiers would be adorned with flowers and aromatic oils. And all the temples of ancient Rome, on those days, the doors would be open, and incense would be burned, and flowers adorned everywhere. And so you would hear a, a, a triumph happening, but you would smell it. Like in the entire city of Rome would smell differently because somebody had been victorious and someone else was going to die that day. I mean, it puts a whole new take on Tacoma aroma if every time you smelled it, one of your close friends or family might perish. But in Rome, man, man triumphs for the victorious, that meant you were going to live and you celebrate, you're on the good side. But man, if you were conquered, that, that meant death. And so the triumph, it smelled differently. And so when Paul says to the church in Corinth, which is part of the Roman Empire in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, he says, thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Very interesting. I've heard that verse forever. I never really knew what he was talking about. 
Paul actually uses the Greek word, which means the triumph. He's actually telling the people of Corinth, you know that thing, triumph, that we've seen where the general's in the back and the incense is being burned and some people are going to live and some people are going to die? Paul says, thanks be to God who leads us, not as the victors, Paul says, but as the captives. But as the captives in the new life of Christ, we, we get to experience the victory we get to experience that that aroma that would mean we would be perishing. Paul is saying, no, now that aroma means we get to respond with our very lives. We're going to be forgiven. And Paul says, I don't want you just to experience that forgiveness to go back to the way you were. The message is meant to be responded to. You're all part of the parade. I don't know if you've ever been in a parade or not, but one time when I was in college, I found myself in the middle of a parade. We were in Nelson, B.C., a bunch of rowdy college buddies, and we spilled out of this restaurant, and we found ourselves in downtown Nelson in, you know, from this restaurant, and it's like the middle of the day, and we like step out in broad daylight on Main Street in Nelson, B.C., into literally the middle of a parade. Now, a small town, British Columbia, beautiful little town if you've ever been there, and we're standing on Main Street, and we have this choice to make. Like, are we going to like step back onto the sidewalk? Or are we going to join the parade? I'm with my best friends, and one of my buddies has a video camera, and he's documenting this. And it's like, hey, we're in the parade, guys. And guess what? We're like, just start marching. And it's like, we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know what we were even celebrating. But you want to talk about a joyful experience? Join a parade, honestly. I mean, Bob Goff talks about this all the time in his, his writings now, but like throw parades. He throws neighborhood parades. There's all sorts of joy when you're in the parade. And, and the point is, those of us experiencing life in Christ, our life is called to be in the middle of a victory parade for all people, the victors and the captives, that we would actually smell like hopefulness. And peace and joy to a world that needs responding to. Man, but so many smells, you know, so many experiences or smells of death. We have a category of expression for that. We say things like, oh, I smell a rat if something's not genuine. Or, or, or you know, they, they don't pass the sniff test. If somebody, you know, has this, you know, good outward show but their character isn't good. You know, you, you say things like this, Right? Growing up in Olympia, there was this band called Nirvana, and and their big anthem, that was the big anthem in the 90s of grunge rock, was Smells Like Teen Spirit, where these three guys from my hometown of Olympia, who'd later moved to Olympia, they wrote this raging rock song against the hypocrisy of middle-class America. And I will tell you, as a kid growing up in, in, a, in a kind of like, hey, everybody's okay type world, but there was a lot of saccharine spirituality, there was a lot of people window dressing their life, but real hurt would be kind of snuffed away. Nobody hurt, nobody suffered, everything's okay. Man, smells like team spirit, it was, it was like an anthem to us. Because finally we're like, let's, let's talk about something real. Let's talk about something genuine. And if there's one thing that, that should define this church, why I get lucky enough to be the leader, it's that we would be a place that's authentic. And it's okay that things don't smell so great in our lives. We are called to be the presence of Christ to those perishing and those in victory. And that we are meant to be hopeful. 
We're mindful that many people in our lives and our communities are struggling with, with smells that lead to death. I just I can tell you about a, a loved one that was in this really dark place and, and we went to like get them out of this really dark place. I can tell you what it smelled like in their addiction and their brokenness. And others of us is like, man, we are, the outside smells great, but there's stuff going on and our loneliness and our marriages and our in, in, in our thought life and whatever, where it's like, you know, some smells lead towards really destructive places. I was thinking about this week and about destructive smells and, and dangerous smells and thinking about kind of a funny story. Uh, but we, as newlyweds, we uh, drove to, we lived in Southern California and Heather and I packed up the Jeep Cherokee one weekend and we went camping in Yosemite. We drove to Yosemite, which from where we lived in Pasadena was some six, seven, eight hours. I don't know. I don't remember. But in Northern California, one of the last in and outs before we headed into the park, we thought, hey, let's get some lunch. We stop in an in and out. All right, and I know I'm making you hungry now. It's getting to be lunch hours, but we got hamburgers and French. I'm sorry, but you got to just—I mean, you can smell it, right? Like in and out. I mean, burgers and fries, and you know, it's like so greasy, you know. And uh, and uh, the smart thing to do would probably be to stop before you enter the park and get rid of the garbage. But if you've ever traveled with me, we never stop. You can't stop. That's actually failure on a road trip. No, I'm of that ilk. It's like you just never stop. So we approach the entrance to Yosemite. All of the remnants of our In-N-Out lunch are still in the car, and we encounter a warning sign. Careful. Make sure your vehicle doesn't smell like food, because in Yosemite campground, there are bears everywhere. And so we pull into the little campground, and literally, you know, we look at each other as like, we smell like a cheeseburger. Like, that's not even an illustration. I mean, that's just a reality. So, you know, we pull into the little campground, and there's RVs and, you know, these big things pulled by semis with their own hot tub and, you know, whatever. And what do we have? We don't have, we have this little tiny two-person tent. It's nylon. And we're laying there at night, and I kid you not, we could hear the bears walking through the campground. And I smelled like a double-double. I literally smelled my fleece jacket, I reeked like a cheeseburger. I mean, we were freaking out. And, and that night alone, a couple of cars were broken into, food taken, praise be to Jesus, we, we survived the night. All right, some smells are dangerous, and they consume, and they can just lead us into really, really bad places. Because friends, the world, and the world can smell us out. The world can smell us. I mean, You'll hear me say a lot, nobody cares what we think, they care what we do. And our actions right now, the church is, is ripe for a testimony. People want to know that our church is doing good things and, and loving the marginalized and caring for the immigrant and, and being open arms for people no matter the orientation, no matter where they've been, we, we need to be a church that's saying, hey, Jesus has a plan for you. And our witness in these days becomes more powerful if we're the aroma of Christ. And so let's look at this third point of our outline, the smells like life. Because all of us as Christians have been moving from death to life. And Paul is telling us in the 2 Corinthians passage that our aroma should be pleasing to others and to the world around us. 2 Corinthians 2, now verse 16. To the one we're an aroma that brings death to the other an aroma that brings life. Again, he's telling the readers in Corinth, he's having them think about that triumph and what it looks like when some are in death and some are in life. 
And Paul is saying, who is equal to such a task? If we're trying to actually be the presence of Christ without Christ being the aroma, if it's by our good works, by our efforts, by our purity, by our discipleship, again, then we're in the Old Testament paradigm. We're trying to get external blessing poured onto us or external worship. No, Paul is saying in this passage, and and the Magi in Matthew 2 live it out, our life is meant to be the pleasing aroma of Christ. We're meant to smell like good news, good news, good news. I mean, still back in Pasadena as newlyweds, we didn't, we, we had nothing My wife was a student and worked in retail to make ends meet, and I was making minimum wage, but if I worked a certain number of days in a row, I bumped to time and a half. We had nothing, but she won the sales contest, and we got a $100 gift certificate to the best steakhouse in Old Town, Pasadena. And so we got ready for the night, and we dressed up. This was a huge deal to these two newlyweds, to us. And we knew we had this great dinner awaiting us. We'd walk past this place. There was a man in a tuxedo at the front door to this place. And you had to pass the man to get invited to the restaurant that was in the second store. You know those kind of places? And we had one bottle of wine that had been given to us during our wedding. We didn't know what it was worth, but we knew it was worth a great deal. I mean, the label was old, and the person given to us was a lot, with a lot of fanfare, of like, drink this for a special occasion. This was a special occasion. So we go into the steakhouse and we tell the, the maitre d' and we tell the sommelier our story and they, they bring out this wine and they decant it and, and the wine opens, you guys, and this wasn't the two-buck chuck from Trader Joe's that we were used to drinking. I mean, this was the real deal. They poured it into the decanter and I'm not kidding you, the smells, the entire, I mean, it felt like half the restaurant, it smelled like this delicious, amazing Cabernet wine that was dozens of years old. And it smelled so differently, the sommelier who made his living tasting wine, he, he was just kind of hanging around like, hey, do you want to try it? I do. And, and then, you know, the maitre d' and the waiters were coming over. It became attractive to the people in the restaurant. And we were these 20-year-old kids laughing that we were even had a seat at the table, toasting this wine better than anything that we can afford. And, and we were so joyful. Because when we have that that feeling of grace and joy that's emanating from places we didn't deserve. I mean, you just laugh. You're like, this is such good news. Our faith in Jesus Christ is meant to be much the same way, that we feel like invited to a dinner party that we would never qualify for, that we've had this drink offering poured for us that we would never be you know, rich enough to afford. And then we're called to enjoy it. I mean, that's what one of the things Jesus wanted me to just remind you this morning. The life of Christ is meant to be enjoyed and to be pleasing. And for some of you in the room, it's like, man, things are really hard right now. I just, I pray that'd be good news, that God's joy would be present to you. And others, they're just, you know, if you feel busy, you feel distracted, just know that Jesus, he wants to dine with you. And he wants that aroma to be one of joy and, and to be characterizing your life, that you've experienced this, this aroma from the inside out. And your life is being lived with his grace and his joy. And so, I want to just ask you, what does your life smell like to people around you? Do people know that you follow Jesus, for those of you that follow Jesus? The people in your neighborhood, the teachers in your kids' schools, the people at your workplace? 
Do they sense something about you? If yes, then praise God, continue to grow in that. If you're not sure, praise God. This is an opportunity. I think the opportunity for our church in this year ahead is, is to grow in our witness. These are not days for us to put our head in the sand and to think, you know, well, we'll get it to heaven someday. These are the days of miracle and wonder where Christ is calling our lives to actually smell differently. People are hungry for good news. And the good news comes from one place, from Christ himself. Paul says again in 2 Corinthians 2, now verses 16 through 18, to the one we're an aroma that brings death, to the, an aroma, the other an aroma that brings life, and who's equal to such a task. And like so many, we do not peddle of the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Friends, we've been, sent, we've been sent by God. We've been invited to a table set before us that we never deserved. Some of you are like, you know, I, I, I didn't even deserve to, to be healed from that disease. I didn't deserve to make it through that really hard time. I didn't deserve this current relationship. I didn't deserve even in my singleness to have so much joy of knowing the Lord and having deep family and community. Like we, we're living into a life that God is inviting us to enjoy from his aroma, not our own. Paul says this in Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so we're meant to be invitational in our approach towards others. And towards that end, this week we mailed a couple thousand of these a free drink and free food item to a bunch of our neighbors here in Shoreline, inviting them to our Christmas Eve services. And then we had some extras, and so we delivered them to all the teachers at Shorewood and Einstein and thanked them for being missionaries to, in our community, invited them to Christmas Eve. And there's an extra 50 or 60 of these out on the welcome table. If, if you want to invite somebody to join you for Christmas Eve this year, we're going to be talking about the touch of the Savior. It's a wonderful time. If you're just thinking about people in your neighborhood, in your family, just say, hey, come to church with me. Come and do life with me. Our life is meant to be lived in love, sent by God in order that the world would know. And it's deeply, deeply important for all of us here that we remain existing for those that don't yet worship here. We're not content with, you know, people say, oh, you know, you were a church of 80 and now there's, you know, many hundreds of you. None of that, none of that really matters. Like, some years from now, when I'm no longer the pastor here, nobody's going to care, like, oh, were they at church at 200 or 800? The numbers don't matter, but our lives do. And sometimes I just stare at the cars passing by Aurora, and I think, we live in the biggest city in this entire state. Who does God want to be here that's not here yet? And it's my hope in 2017 that we continue to grow as God's community for people that need the good news, that people that need reminding that we are the aroma of Christ and Christ has called them good. Some of my friends who are homeless, who live on Aurora, live around, sometimes they'll say, hey, I was gonna make it to church, but I didn't get a chance to shower this week. And I just tell them, I'm like, you don't have to smell good to be here. You just come. Some of us come and the stuff that we're maybe worried that doesn't smell so good is kind of under the skin. Friends, when we show up here, we all walk in broken, sinners, saved by a most holy God, who, despite ourselves, says, you smell good to me. 
Now get on with your life being the presence of aroma of joy and hopefulness because I got a story for you to tell into the world. I think about Jesus, like who did he love to hang out with? He loved to hang out with fishermen. Fishermen, talk about Jesus and you know, telling the disciples, fish on the other side. And they, they made such a haul with their nets that the boat almost sank. And then from that place, they started to follow him. I've taken enough fishing trips to know hey, you kind of need a shower after you go fishing if you've had any luck at all. But not with Jesus. Like, I, don't, I don't care about the external stuff, says Jesus. I care about the inside out. I care about that these people understand the aroma of grace that I've already touched them upon. And I want your lives to be lived as good news to a world that's perishing, perishing without Christ. That takes us to a, a final point here that our, our lives are called to smell like Jesus, smells like Jesus. And a beautiful picture in all four Gospels of Jesus being anointed. Most scholars assume by Mary, because in John 12 we get that Mary takes a pint of pure nard, one of the most expensive perfumes in the ancient world, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And the disciples, they know how much that nard would cost. And they start you know, rushing in to say, this is wasteful. This is, is needless. And Jesus doesn't see that. Jesus just sees worship. Jesus experiences Mary's whole heart. She's, she's wholehearted in how she's worshiping Christ. She's not saving part of herself. I mean, that's the thing with a smell. You can't, you can't smell part of something. It's all or nothing, right? You just, when the smell is there, it's like, okay, I'm going to deal with the smell, and then I got I to gotta experience it. And Mary, her worship smelled differently than Christ. The Magi in Matthew 2, they show up, they leave their offering, it's an aroma of worship. They're leaving nothing out. They've traveled years to be there face to face with their Savior. They fall face down in Matthew 2, face down with the King. When you worship, you leave nothing out. And the book of Matthew, when it talks about Mary's anointing, it says an alabaster jar. The alabaster jars were made in ancient Egypt from a region called Alabastron. And we typically think that, that, that a jar like this might look pretty and, and perfect or chipped a little bit, but have a, something we would put on a shelf. But scholars say that's not what an alabaster jar was. No, an alabaster jar from the region of Egypt that Mary has this, this pure nard in is, was a sealed jar. And the thing with an alabaster jar, this is a historical picture of an alabaster jar. There's only one way to get it out. You can't just reach in and remove a little and save the rest later. That's why the disciples were so angry. No, the alabaster jars of those days, you had to crack it open. And, and then the scent would come, and Mary's laying it all on the feet of her Savior. And why does that matter? Because it's only broken vessels that we can be made manifest. It's only broken vessels that, that, that release their aroma. And when our life sometimes feels the most broken, it's when Jesus wants to use all of our life. We're called to not be put well together. We're called to be, be breaking ourselves open and leaving all of ourselves in worship of Christ. And, and like Mary, you know, she's changed by the experience. She's there laying herself down, you know, wiping her hair on the king. Imagine the aroma that would be on her. She would smell like perfume. She would also smell like Jesus. And friends, I, I want to remind you of the good news this morning. That when you lay your life out in worship of the king, 
I know those are very religious words, but if you're just constantly in a process like, God, take my whole life, take this job, take my, my situation, take the aging parents I'm caring for, uh, take everything in my retirement, Lord, I want my life to be lived in worship. We're not just dipping into a little jar and then trying to put a little bit on Jesus. We're called to be breaking ourselves open and the fullness of the aroma of Christ as we worship him will abide in us. We have been called the aroma of Christ so that the world would know that Jesus is real and he exists. And friends, like I mentioned earlier, I continue to believe that our testimony is getting ready to be made more powerful, more hopeful, more joyful, like Jesus living in us. We've got to experience him. I don't want that outside-in anointing. I'm tired of chasing other people, telling me I'm going to be okay. No, Jesus, I want to experience you from the inside out. And may your grace emanate in me, and may that aroma be pleasing in the eyes of the world. Lord, may your aroma be lived out in my life. And friends, the world will take notice. When the church continues to have the aroma of Christ, our witness has never been more important. As we come to the end of 2016, we can thank God for all that he's done in us and thank him for all that we've experienced. We turn towards 2017. We say, may this be the year where Christ's aroma exists and we experience him Not for what we've done, but who he is. And may that aroma be used to continue to transform a world that desperately needs Jesus' hope and his love and his glory. It's all about Christ. Amen? All right, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for reminders of scripture and your testimony just shaking us open this morning. Father, we we, we thank you for that good news, that the blessing comes from the inside out. And then much as the wise men laid it all at the altar of, of gratitude that our lives should smell differently. And so Jesus, we just pray that you would be waking us up with the reality that, that, that we have been called blessed, that we have been anointed, that we have your hope, that we have your joy. We don't have to strive. And, and people, Lord, that, that are struggling this morning, they're in places of darkness and brokenness, we pray, Lord, may your aroma rest on them. And for the others of us, Lord, that are somewhere in the middle of just trying to experience you in the everyday, God, we come to you needing more of your aroma, needing more of your taste, needing to to hear you in new ways, needing to see you. God, we want to experience you through our senses. This day, and all God's people said, amen. Will you stand with us as we continue to sing? As we were reminded, it's only in our being broken open The Christ aroma is poured out. Let's stand and sing.